I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. And today we have Jennifer Pearson, and she is a spiritual coach and shamanic breath worker, Reiki master, and also tarot card reader as well. So she has a, a pretty big resume. Let's see what she has. Hello, how's it going? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So can you provide me with kind of a brief summary about yourself, who you are, what you're about, what your message is, so forth? Sure. I'm Jen Pearson. My business is called Lighten Your Space, and it's kind of been evolving over the years. I started out just as a Reiki master. I know you you gave the whole litany and that it, there's a lot going on there. I started out doing energy work and, uh, as a Reiki master, and then through my own healing journey and what I was seeing in clients, it kind of led me to other modalities, other paths. And now I kind of use a, a mesh of things together. And my goal is to help people to integrate that kind of woo-woo, sometimes taboo side of themselves and things that they're interested in with their quote unquote normal life. You know, it's how how to be a divine goddess and go to work on Monday, how to kind of put those things together and ground it into real life and how to help people kind of integrate that in themselves. And really, it all comes down to a deeper knowing of the self. So connecting people to their intuition, connecting people to their soul aspect of themselves so that they can live that their truest, best self, basically. How do you get people to integrate better with themselves? It comes down to conscious awareness and really knowing yourself. So it really starts with an understanding of who you are at the core level. So if you know who you're supposed to be or who you think you want to be versus, you know, who you honestly are on the inside all the way deep down when you really get into the light and the dark and all the pieces of you, you're going to hide parts and you're going to repress things. And that's going to cause more trouble. That's going to cause more depression. That's going to cause a disconnect or disassociation in the self. So it really comes down to giving clients the best knowing of themselves and different perspective that maybe they haven't that little glimpse into the, the mirror behind the head kind of thing. I, I, I'll tell people that like, imagine that you're, you're, I mean, maybe more for women than men, but you've got some pretty great hair. So maybe you can relate, you know, you look in the mirror and you think like, Oh, everything looks good, but you can't see that rat's nest of, you know, whatever in the back of your head, unless somebody else has a mirror there. And so acting kind of as that mirror to help people see those pieces that maybe they've missed that once they find it, the whole picture is better. From what I've heard, it's sort of like seeing your shadow, if you will, or connecting with your shadow. So that that sort of dives a lot more into your shamanic work. How did you become a shaman? So I don't call myself a shaman, but I do use some shamanic practices and shamanic breathwork is a specific kind of breathwork that's meant to put the breather into an altered state of consciousness. So it's kind of like dreaming and it helps you just get in touch with those pieces of the brain that maybe are extra repressed, Um, you know, in, in shamanic work. And I listened to an episode and you had a shamanic healer on who was talking about his work with soul retrieval. And so that kind of stuff can happen through the shamanic breathwork process just on the the breathers you know spontaneous 
their own healing. Um, it doesn't have to always be facilitated by someone else, although sometimes it does help to do that. So yeah, there can be those those little pieces in the shadow or um, that are lost in in trauma that can can be retrieved. And yes, shamanic practices are definitely a, a good way to get deep and get into that and find those little hidden parts of the self. We're going to get more in-depth with questions, but I want to hit the other one. You're also a Reiki master. How did that happen? That was a complete accident. <laughs> I really, I've always been kind of drawn to energy, to the paranormal, to just, you know, anything that was kind of spiritual and, and interesting and different and out of the ordinary. And a friend of mine knew someone who was teaching a Reiki class and said, hey, I think you'll think this is cool. And I knew nothing about it and just took the class on her recommendation and it was fascinating to me and I was really interested and I loved how I was like, oh, these things that I was feeling or that I was knowing or sensing or wanted to know more about and didn't really know how to put my finger on it were all kind of coming to a head in that class. And so I wanted to go on with it. So I took that level one class on a whim and loved it and felt so connected to it that eventually I worked up to becoming a Reiki master. Okay, and... Was this an online class or a physical class? This was a physical class. This was oh. in, in town. I, I live in Asheville, North Carolina, which is mm-hmm. kind of a hippie woo-woo town. So it's like, you know, every kid learns Reiki growing up here practically. So it was an, an in-person class. And to me, I really liked the in-person energy. I liked being able to because so much of Reiki can be a hands-on healing method to have that experience real life to, you know, be with another person and feel what it feels like to receive Reiki as well as to give it um, really was valuable to me. And I know there are classes online and I'm sure that they're wonderful too. But for me personally, the in-person training was a big deal. Why was it a big deal? It just connected more to me into the path that I'm on, I think. It just felt more aligned with my path. And the tarot card reader part as well. The the tarot card thing is more recent. That that would be the most recent of them all, I would say. I think that's kind of been stewing in the background for a while. I was always interested in tarot cards. I think I saw them as a little more witchy than anything else. And I just didn't know how to connect them to anything other than more. It felt more like a game than anything. And I know it's more in depth than that. So what happened was I had a friend in London and during lockdown and COVID, she started a group called Tea and Tarot and we would get together and just eight of us would share what's going on in our life. What are we worried about? What are we concerned with? And everybody in the group would pull a card or two. And it helped us to learn the cards, feel connected to the cards, have connection with each other and just get deeper with that. And so that's kind of how I started in tarot. And then I took some classes and have practiced and worked with other people. And I found that the way I use it is in the coaching. So when I have a client who's stuck or who says, well, I really think it's this one situation that's the problem, but we're just hitting a brick wall and we want deeper insight, then that can sometimes open things up and give us a a new perspective or a piece, you know, a glimpse into that shadow again, or an action step of, okay, here's the problem. Where do we want to go next with it? Um, And I use it now as sort of a way to access channeled information through the cards. So that's still still kind of evolving, but that's that's the newest one in the repertoire. All right. And okay, so 
you do all of these different things. Now, was there ever any initial kind of spiritual calling? Like, what drew you into this? Because I know some people have callings where bad things just happen until they finally just do what they need to do, or they may hear a voice. What happened with you? A lot of it happened through my own personal work. I I was drawn to it, interested in it, even when I was young, but I was also very logical minded. I'm also an audiologist. I do hearing aid fittings. So like completely non woo woo on that side of the spectrum. And so I was in that world, but always feeling like something was missing. Some part of me wasn't fully realized. And I dealt with depression and anxiety. And then I was in a marriage that fell apart. And as I was dealing with what to do with that, I was going through a lot of healing on my own. So I had an energy healer that I would go to. And I went to probably every kind of healing modality you can imagine just in my own, you know, seeking more of myself and seeking healing and seeking growth and, um, kind of, I think it was my soul calling out to say, like, find the peace where you belong. And so I was trying all these different things. And some of them I use for myself and my own healing, like acupuncture, I love, but I have no interest in learning it for <laughs> to use with clients. And, you know, other things that I have taken in and said, this is something that I want to know more about, I want to study more, and I want to really evolve with. And so some of them have become tools in my toolbox. And some of them have just, you know, helped me on a personal level. But it was really as I was not happy in my job, I was not happy in my relationship, I was dealing with a lot of depression. And it was a really rough time in my life, which now I would look back and call a shamanic initiation that kind of brought me into this next phase of life. Okay. And how do you empower certain brave soul explorers? So I I call my clients the brave soul explorers because it takes a lot of bravery to really look deep and to really be honest with yourself and to look at the good parts and the bad parts. And sometimes the good parts are as hard to look at as the bad parts. You know, if, if you're someone who really struggles with your self-image and struggles and self-love sounds like something completely unattainable, you know, knowing yourself as lovable or knowing yourself as good in whatever definition that is, can be really complex, can be really complicated, can be really hard for people. And so when we're going through the journey and learning about ourselves, that's when we're kind of becoming these brave soul explorers. And so I help people to do that, sometimes through energy work, sometimes with the tarot cards, sometimes with shamanic breath work, you know, whichever sense I'm more led by spirit to use, sometimes we'll use almost entirely just straight coaching. Sometimes we'll use primarily energy work and there's like no talking. We're just all in the energetic realm. And sometimes we're there pulling a bunch of cards. And so it really is specific to that client and what that client needs and what's going to give them the tools that they need to move forward in their life, to give them that mindset mindset shift or to give them that motivation or just that perspective of how they can take control of their life. So whatever their issue is, whether it is that they want to be happier, that they want to make changes in some aspect of their life, you know, it's it's a way to kind of help them 
see through all of the crappy parts. You know, you like I said, that part of my life that led me through that. I needed someone to say like, okay, this isn't going to be crappy forever. So let's see what's making it crappy. How can we not make it crappy? How can you move forward and find that better part? And that's what we try to kind of break down and get to um, in whatever way their soul and spirit best needs to be led. Speaking of that, what are some of your best client success stories? I just love when they go from a place of feeling really anxious or really depressed or, you know, just disconnected from their life. And then to see them later feeling like they they can create whatever they want. You know, they can be happy in their current situation. They can change things and shift the energy and be happy in what they're doing there. And they feel like they are able to create. They are able to control their destiny to some degree. And, and they have that. I don't like to, I don't like to set clients up for continued follow-up. You know, I love to see them later. I love to see where they've gone, where they've come from and where they lead to. But, you know, I may see a client just one time, or I may see a client several times over several years. And it's just, you know, where I'm invited into their path more than anything else. I don't I don't think that they need me. I think they just need a key to unlock their own intuition. Is your take on spiritual coaching or spiritual self-help different, say the rest of the community? I really don't know, honestly. I mean, prob- I feel like everybody's take is a little different <laughs> in anything. Um, I do think there are coaches who want to make a relationship with their client who want to have this like, I want to say codependent, but I don't think that's the right word. But it's sort of a, a relationship where I I need you to need me. Like, I want you to come back because this is this is keeping my business going. <laughs> and like, of course, we want clients to return to us, but I want clients to return to me because they've reached a whole other level and they're they're looking for that key again, rather than someone to say, I can't do this without you. You know, my goal is to have these clients be able to explore their own souls, to gain their own tools and to grow from there and maybe even help other people from them, but to really be empowered to kind of take their own journey and not have to take my journey. You know, I have plenty of clients who don't take a journey anywhere near what my journey is. And that's totally okay. You know, their goals might not be the same as mine, but it all comes from internal, like their own intuition, their own spiritual guidance, their own connection to spirit um, and not mine. So, yeah. Speaking of spirit, I know with a lot of Reiki masters, you're working with energy quite a bit. Did you have any struggles with energy work? Because I know there's some Reiki masters that accidentally give their energy to others instead of using the energy around them. How did that work with you? Were there any struggles or? I didn't really. I mean, I think I, I think that I absorbed other people's energy more than I put out mine onto people. I could be wrong. Maybe I just wasn't aware at that point in my life, but Reiki to me is a tool that I recommend to people who are empathic or who do take on a lot of energy because you can actually learn the structure of how to channel that pure source energy through yourself so that you're not passing on your energy and so that the energy moves in one direction. You know, you learn the correct direction of flow so that you're not absorbing from other people. And I think that really helped me 
to clear my energy, to learn more about what was mine versus what I was absorbing from other people around me. And I'm glad that that but there's probably a, you know, a cosmic reason that that was the first thing that I really learned in this field as I started working with other people, because that has really helped me to be able to um, keep that direction of flow when I am working with energy. And is this all applicable to everyone or what you would refer to as woo? I think it is. I mean, I think that that some people are more interested in it than other people are. I think that, you know, some people's path is going to be to explore all of it and to be fascinated by all of it and to be really drawn in. And I think some people are drawn to the light side of things. And I think some people are drawn to the darker side of things. And I, I think it's all it's all whole, you know, there, you, you can't appreciate the light without the dark and vice versa. And so there needs to be people on all ends of the spectrum to make it whole. I think there needs to be people who couldn't care less about the woo woo stuff. And just like there needs to be people who, you know, feel like they live out in the 5d world. And then those of us in the middle who feel like we're trying to put them together and it's all part of that human experience. And so, yeah, I do think that everybody has potential to sense energy. I think everybody has potential to reach their own intuition. I think everybody has potential to find that deeper knowing of themselves on the soul level if they're interested and if they really want to do it, but it does take work, you know, and that's the thing too. It's hard in coaching. I think sometimes there's a trap of like, how can I give my client the fastest route to healing? And in spiritual work, that's really not always the best route. You know, the fastest route doesn't mean that you got to the deep core of the issue or that you really took care of all aspects of the self. You know, there can be a quick fix, but did you really learn the lesson or is that lesson going to come back around bigger the next time, you know, as we move on this path through life, I, we think of it in the shamanic world, we think of it as the spiral path. So it's not, we're going on our spiritual development from point A to point B. And when we reach point B, we're done. And then, you know, and if we think of that, that sets us up into a mindset of failure. So if, if you say in my spiritual development, my goal is to go from A to B, and then you don't reach B or maybe you reach B and then you go back down to A, you feel like you've gone down. There's like an up and down. There's a hierarchy to it and it sets you up for the mindset of failure. And on, if you're thinking of it as a circle, you know, a round path, then you're always just like digging that rut deeper and deeper. And so the shamanic world thinks of it as this spiral pathway. So you may make a pass through similar uh, lessons in life and they may have different levels. Maybe you're on a higher level of that same lesson than you were before, but you, you haven't quite completed it. You know, that, that pathway is still going. Things will come around, things can come back, um, but there's always evolving. It's always moving along that pathway. Why do you think it's always evolving? I don't think that you can stand still, even if you try. I think that your soul's always moving forward. You know, energy is always in motion. So something's always moving. Even if you, you feel like you're not, something's always shifting. Something's always changing. No matter how hard you try, change is inevitable. What types of services do you technically provide to a lot of your clients? How does that work step by step? Do you just provide each service separately or do you kind of umbrella everything? 
I tried to provide things separately and it wasn't really working out. <laughs> so it really comes down to let's sit down and have time together and talk about what your struggle is or what your goal is. And then we'll, I, I kind of go into a more of a meditative state to kind of channel what what's going to be best for this client. And sometimes they'll tell me, you know, I want more energy work. I'm not interested in the cards or, you know, I just want to talk this out or whatever. And I'll give my suggestions of anything that comes through channeled. Um, but it tends to be a, a deeper lesson. It tends to be a deeper healing when we reach that meditative channeled state or sometimes even through shamanic journey or one of those um, just deeper, more spiritually connected methods. Uh, we tend to get to the deeper root of things faster than just sitting and talking or just working on that mental, physical level. So yeah, it it really, I started trying to just do energy work and then spirit would start sending messages and we'd end up coaching. <laughs> and then I tried to just do coaching and then they would say, well, what about, the, what do you think the cards would say? And we'd pull cards and then they're like, well, well, maybe we should get you on the table and we'd be doing energy work. So it's all kind of a, and uh, one session with a client might be all energy work and one session might be a little bit of everything. And one session might just be talking. So it really comes down to what's going to move them forward the fastest and give them the deepest tools in that session. And when working with these clients, are there any what would you consider your ideal client? Who is the best client that can actually come to you? That's a good question. I think the best client is someone who is open, who is at a point where they're just ready for whatever's coming next. And sometimes those are people who are joyfully open and they're saying, I, I just, this just sounds cool. And I just want to see where I can go with it. And, you know, I love doing the work. You know, there's those people who are like self-help junkies. You know, they're like, I haven't tried this. Let me try shamanic breath work. That sounds cool. Or let me try whatever. And they want to get in and they're willing to go deep and they're willing to really get in there and do the work. They're not just looking for that quick fix. They're not looking for me to fix them. They understand that they need to do their own healing, that they need to find these tools within themselves. And sometimes it's someone who's not quite as joyfully excited about it, but it still kind of comes down to that. I'm open to what comes in. I am ready for change. I am ready to work on myself. And I understand that it's going to take time. It's going to take work. It's, it's, it's going to take a shift in me and change is rarely easy. So, you know, whatever comes with it, comes with it. And they're willing to kind of put in the work and do it. And they're not expecting me to hand over the magic pill that says, here you go. Good job. Everything's taken care of. And now you're, you're on the next level. Um, but understanding that it's an ongoing process and that they, and that they want to be able to empower themselves. So they don't want me to tell them what to do next. They want me to facilitate them finding out their own path. So I would say the big things for me in an ideal client are openness to exploring, to being that brave soul explorer, having the bravery to go deep, having that explorer's curiosity, and then also, you know, wanting to do it on themselves, being kind of an independent spirit who just needs a little push along the way or a door opened on the path, I would say. Doors opening. What is your opinion on synchronicities in life? I love them. <laughs> That's my opinion. I always think it's cool when they happen. And for me personally, I'd say I notice more synchronicities or I feel like they happen more when I need a little bit of 
encouragement maybe or questioning things. And it tends to be sort of a reminder to me that I'm moving in the right direction. To me, it's a validation of whatever, wherever I'm at in life. So either a show of support from my spirit guides and my spirit team of like, yeah, you're moving the right way, keep going. Or a show of like, if I'm questioning, is this the right path? Yes, this is the right path when those synchronicities come in. So I I have a cool synchronicity story. I was in the job I'm in now. And I had a patient who I fit hearing aids on this is in my other job. And we were walking out the front door and there was a quarter on the ground outside. And he said, Oh, maybe I dropped that when I came in. I don't know. And he, you know, picked it up and moved on. And I went back in the office and later I went out and there was like three quarters outside the door. I'm like, that's weird. You know, they, I know they weren't there before and picked them up and went on. And I went out to lunch and picked up like six dollars in change and it was all silver coins quarters dimes half dollars like you it was all this crazy change or there weren't half dollars it was quarters dimes and nickels and i joked with my sister because my grandparents when we were kids we would spend the night at my grandparents house and the tradition was they would leave a half dollar coin under our pillow at the night and i don't know why you know what but we had these half dollar coins and we always associated it with my grandparents. And so I told her I was finding all this, all this change. And my grandparents had recently passed and she said, well, that must be them leaving you these signs. And I said, eh, if it was a half dollar, then I'd believe it, you know, kind of joking around. Well, my coworker came in from lunch and she had $11 in change, including half dollars and <laughs> all this stuff. And so I said, okay, well, there it is. So what's the message? And we were saying, you know, the message must be about change. And sometimes for me, spirit is very, very literal. So I'm like, this is spirit saying lots of changes. There's lots of changes coming. Like, where did all these coins come from? We're in a little strip mall. Somebody had to see somebody dropping all these coins along the sidewalk. Like, how does $15 and change just show up and nobody has seen it? Um, And over time, it's not like it all got dumped at once. And so I kind of meditated and journeyed on that and and was like, yeah, there's, there's something about changes that work and I don't know. And a week later, our boss came in and said, you know, the office down the road is closing and you're merging together. And, and our whole office completely changed. Office dynamics changed. Our jobs changed. Our, everything was different. And I'm like, ah, there's there's our many changes at work. So I love when things like that happen. And I think that if we look for those signs, we can find them. So I think that people who are tuned in, who are into the woo-woo stuff, are going to see a lot more signs and synchronicities than people who don't care about it. So somebody else could have gone by and said, oh, I don't know, somebody dropped a bunch of change and somebody's got a hole in their pocket and they must have been walking back and forth and they pick up the change and they go on and they don't think anything of it. But then someone like me goes and (laughs) puts meaning to it and, you know, adds it into a a spiritual practice and, and finds something deeper there. And so I think that those little breadcrumbs are left, those little changes are left all around for us to find if we look for them. And it's just a matter of kind of awakening and opening our eyes and, and being curious, being those explorers who will find those things. You talked a lot about integrating the woo-woo with the normal life. Can you kind of get into how you actually accomplish that? It's different for everybody. Some people kind of naturally do it very well. How did you do it? 
I struggle with it. I had a hard time with it for a long time. I really hid the woo-woo stuff. And I think that's part of why I'm called to help people with it, because I don't think it's something that you have to be embarrassed of. I think for a lot of people, it's a part of who they are. It's a part of what makes you whole. Having that that spiritual exploration, having that intuitive knowledge or that intuitive, that intuitive, what's the word I want? Like calling that, that ability, that gift. You know, I think that that scares some people. Some people put it into a context of being like anti-religious or evil or, you know, make it sound scary. And it's really something that I believe is inside all of us if we choose to awaken it or not. And some people don't consciously choose to awaken it. It just awakens and they're dealing with this. And so they're dealing with like, how do I, you know, go to, okay, I can go to this great retreat. And I can do yoga all day and I can learn about Reiki and I can, you know, do flex my intuitive muscles and and really try and get into that and have this amazing experience. But then I go home and my kids diapers dirty and I have a pile of laundry to do and I have to go to work. And it's like, how do I carry that blissful, amazing, you know, spiritually enlightened self into the woman who does laundry and has to get up for work at seven o'clock in the morning and has like daily things to do. And so I try to teach practices that can happen in your daily life. So, you know, folding laundry can be a mindfulness practice or um, in while you're doing yoga, you can do, you know, but a lot of it starts with grounding. So it's fun to do shamanic journey and it's fun to do meditations where we can kind of let our mind go and we can reach altered states of consciousness and we can get into these, you know, really spiritual, soulful kind of experiences and have these experiences. But then what do we do with that? And so really kind of grounding that in and where's the lesson that I can learn in the life that I'm leading on a daily basis, you know, remembering that we are human. Yes, we're souls, but we're also humans. And so learning to live both of those pieces. And the more, again, getting back to knowing yourself on that deeper level, when you really know what's important to you, and when you really know who you are at the core, it gets easier to share that with other people. And having that courage and having that bravery to be able to say, as I'm shifting, and as I'm evolving, and as I'm coming into this more woo-woo person, there may be relationships that fall to the side, but there's also going to be great relationships that are forged that come in. And, you know, taking those risks and finding that way to say, you know, I'm going to call in this, this, I'm going to be my truest self and I'm going to call in other people who resonate with me. And it's not easy and it's not always a fun thing to do, but I can say from experience that I'm way happier and more fulfilled and, you know, just being my true self and not feeling like I have to hide it or keep it secret or, you know, it's too weird and it is too weird for some people. And, oh, well, they're just going to have to think it's weird. (laughs) I think, I think some things people do are weird too. So it's, you know, you, you just have to be true to yourself really is what it comes down to in, in the integration piece. And when it comes to being true to yourself, how do you coach people to do this now? Because it's one thing you knowing how to do this, but how did you turn this all into a business and cultivate this skill of helping people out? 
it started with just the energy work and then that evolved into like, okay, well, we've done this healing and then where, where do I go with that? And more channeled messages were coming through and it was coming through enough that I thought, well, I should probably learn what I'm actually doing and got coaching certification so that I wasn't just, you know, guessing and making things up, but it's more about support than it is about advising. So it's sometimes there will be a channeled message or something that comes through the cards that says, maybe try to do this thing. But most of the time, it's about supporting that person in being themselves and finding the encouragement that they need to, you know, to, to live whatever life it is that they're choosing to live. And you also offer one-on-one and group coaching. Which one do you think is better? Or which one do you think allows you to use the highest level of skill you can provide? Uh, one-on-one is, uh, to me, my favorite because we can really dig deep. So we can really tailor it to what the client needs and go where they need on the speed that they need it to go on. Some clients are going to just, you know, they'll have four sessions and they have gone so deep and they've done so much homework that they barely need me there. And they're, you know just growing by leaps and bounds. And then I have other clients who are only ready to take baby steps at a time. And so they're not going to go as deep as fast, or maybe they just take baby steps for a while and they take a break for a year and then they come back and they're ready to go a little deeper. And so going on your own pace and having things tailored to your needs and getting that really one-on-one attention is nice in the one-on-one. But the group has a a little bit of a one-on-one aspect to it too. There are times where they can, they can request support. They can ask questions, they can reach out, but it goes at one pace. So it just goes through, you know, we have a week for each of the chakras and you learn about the chakras and you get into like, you know, exercises for yourself. So how do you reflect on it? Or how does this make you feel or do this meditation or journal these, these prompts and things to kind of help uh, spur those little intuitive muscles and get them rolling and, and get you thinking about things that maybe you haven't thought about. So a way to kind of hold that mirror up again and see that shadow if you can, and just find those pieces that maybe you were ignoring on purpose, or maybe you were ignoring on accident, but to open that box and to open up that person and to say, you know, look at the whole picture. Look at how all the chakras interact. Don't just get stuck on one. Look at all of the elements. We do a bit on like earth, fire, air, and how all of that plays out in how you react in your life and and in your personality. We do bits on, you know, just, just what is the shadow? You know, all that stuff comes in just to give you a little bit of a deeper awareness of the self, but it's not it's not personalized and you're, you're just getting the program. <laughs> so the group is, is not quite as, it's very deep, but it's not as personally deep. When you did all this, how long, what were some of the challenges you faced getting here to the finish line? I don't think I'm at the finish line. I think it's always evolving. I, I think as soon as I think, oh, here's how I've got things set up and this is working great, then something comes through and evolves and changes and something new pops in or a better way to do it happens. Or, you know, I was trying to do things separately and then it just was organically happening all together. And so I always feel like there's evolvement. And I think that that's a good thing. I think that if, just like we said before, you know, why are people always changing? We're always changing. So if I say, this is my business and I'm done and that's, that's what it is. That's what you get forever. I don't think that I'm going to be able to serve people because we're all I'm going to be changing. My skills are going to be changing. My clients that show up are changing. I really believe that the clients that show up are also 
are your mirrors, the practitioner's mirrors. So as I'm evolving on my journey, my clients are going to be evolving. And what served clients 10 years ago is not going to serve clients 10 years from now in a lot of cases. And there's always the basics. And that's why we do the chakras and the elements and those basics in the group program. But I think that that the program's always going to change. And I think I need to stay open to my intuition, to my spiritual guidance, and to what I'm hearing from the clients to, to keep moving forward on that never finishing finish line. <laughs> you mentioned basics in the group program. You're familiar with chakras and all those other things. What would you consider basics? I think that like when you get into really intro spiritual work, the chakras are the first place to look. And the chakras are a nice overlay of the scientific mental kind of world and the spiritual world, because there's actually diagrams that you can get that will overlay that show, you know, these ancient healers who identified these seven major chakras, and there's more than seven, but we usually focus on the seven main, that they overlay with the endocrine system and they overlay with the nervous system and where there are these major glands and when there are these, you know, what's the word I want coming together of nerves, uh, like these bundles that, that these certain areas that have more energy in the body physically, because they have this, these nerve bundles or they have these glands, that's where the ancient people found these chakras. So there has to be something energetically going on because physically they're matching up. So that kind of helps people go, huh, there might be something to this energy thing. And, you know, starting people where they're at, can you put your hands together in prayer position and slowly move them apart and feel that energy between your hands? Can you sense that like almost like magnet energy? And then how far can you do it? You know, we kind of play with, can you feel your own energy? And I really focus a lot on, on your own energy. Now, if I was training people to become a Reiki teacher, I would have them do that with a client also to sense another person's energy. But I think that when we're working one-on-one for personal development, I want them to be able to sense the physical energy as a basic because I want them to be able to tune into their own body. Your body holds wisdom that sometimes your mind hasn't gotten to yet. So being able to sense something in your body can clue you into something else deeper that may be going on. So I want them to be able to physically notice when their their energy's off, when there's a different thing. I want them to know what the chakras are and to know how they relate. And I don't like when they get stuck in what's just one chakra. So you see a lot of stuff on, on, um, different Facebook groups or online or YouTube channels. And it's like how to heal the heart chakra. Well, that's great. But sometimes other chakras are being affected or are contributing also. So a lot of times I will see the solar plexus and the throat chakra close, but the heart chakra is open. But really what's happening is those two are protecting the heart. So you'd have to heal the heart to open the throat and the solar plexus so that they feel safe to let that energy flow through again. But if you just go through and say, well, how am I going to heal the throat because it's closed? How am I going to heal the solar plexus because it's closed? You're not getting that holistic thing. So I like people to have an overview of what the chakras are as a whole system. I like them to know how to sense their own energy. And I like them to have some sort of mindfulness, meditation, shamanic journey, some sort of practice where they can connect with their intuitive, spiritual, higher self kind of wisdom. Some people will be natural mediums. They'll connect with other spirits as well. Some people, it's just that higher self connection. And some people, it's just that silence that allows you to have a a certain kind of knowing. But I like to have 
those as like the very first basics. Can you sense your own energy? Do you know what it is? And then what's going to open you to the next levels? And throughout your life, were there any, what types of, what were some of the strangest or the most fantastical kind of spiritual experiences you've had? Like, have you ever seen things, ever had visions? Have you ever went into any type of spirit world, like some shamans? I have done shamanic journey. I started I started the shamanic breath work on a, on a whim, kind of similar to how I found Reiki. I had been working with an energy healer, and the idea of shamanism was coming up a lot. The idea of breathing and breath work was coming up a lot. And I saw a flyer for, um, it was like, it wasn't shamanic breath work, but it was something very similar. And it was like a shamanic breathing immersion or whatever. I didn't really know what it was, but I was like, these are all the things I've been called to. And I just want to go and be open and see what this is. And it was similar to shamanic breathwork in that people are, are lying on the floor and there's loud music. The music is actually in shamanic breathwork. It's designed to activate the chakras, to kind of move your energy along on a journey. So there's this loud music. There's this certain in and out breathing pattern that you do to access a an altered state of consciousness, almost like a dream state. And there were people who were facilitators who were kind of doing energy work. And it was like a three hour session. So I went in and went into this completely not expecting anything, not knowing what to expect. And I had this amazing experience. And I, you know, some of it was just energetic feeling shifts. Um, Some of it was feeling like there were spirit guides or a team around me kind of holding my hand or with an arm on my shoulder, just kind of supporting me in the experience. And at one point, I access what now I know is my power animal or my primary power animal, at least at this point in my life. But at that point, when I was dealing with a lot of turmoil, I really needed a boost of confidence and I didn't feel confident. And I was at that point where just accessing that kind of personal power and confidence was like so far away. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And in this experience, as I was doing this breath work and in this altered state, this snake came to me. And what I remember of this snake was that it was very masculine and very feminine at the same time. And it had this commanding, confident presence. And I remember kind of feeling this confidence and thinking like, I I want some of that, (laughs) you know, like that's what I would like to have right now. And the snake merged. It was like, I felt like I was looking out its eyes. Like I was inside that snake and then I could feel this embodied confidence and I could just feel how my posture changed. I could feel how my energy shifted. I could feel how my thoughts cleared and shifted. And it was this sense of power and confidence that I had been seeking and needing so badly. And so when I, when the breathwork session finished, I was like completely ungrounded. I didn't know what the heck to do with any, what was this? Like, clearly this is something, but what the heck was this? And I talked to the facilitators and they were just like, cool. Like, no, 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 that's not going to help. And so as I was going through and trying to find out how to integrate that and how to make sense of that and how to ground that, because it just felt like such a mystical, magical, wild experience. And I knew there was something to it that I needed. um, That's what led me into finding the training in shamanic breath work and led me into more shamanic journey work and more of the shamanic trainings that I did. That was that experience. But for, you know, weeks, months after that, 
when I was in places where I was feeling small and I was feeling contracted and I was feeling, you know, beat down, I could bring back that memory of that snake and how that felt and embody this confidence and this power and this strength that I really needed to call on. And so that snake really taught me how to find that power and how to find that strength. And that was really important. And the snake has returned in other shamanic journeys and things, you know, to teach other lessons from there. So I know that is my primary power animal. Um, But I would say that was probably the most like mystical, magical, but in shamanic breathwork and shamanic journey, a lot of that stuff happens. When I work with clients in shamanic breathwork, I always have this sort of like ego moment of, oh gosh, like nothing's going to happen. They're just going to like hate this. And something always happens. They always have these, these experiences, either visual or a knowing or a feeling or something. They always are able to access that, that spiritual piece of themselves that, that opens things up. And so I just think that's so cool that our brains can do that. Very good. And what is your, do you have any new content you're planning on pushing out as well? What do you think is the future of your skill set? Do you think you plan on doing additional things or bring in new skills because it already seems like you have a lot of I was gonna say you don't think I have enough no (laughs) no I mean right now I don't but if you ask me a year ago I wouldn't have thought that I was adding tarot into the mix and so I just think it kind of evolves as it needs to and I don't I don't see it taking any major leaps and bounds in the next year or so but you know I'm, I'm sure it will evolve in some way even if it's with the same tools I'm sure things will change And what do you think is the future of your business? I would love to continue working some online when COVID started and I I wasn't sure how it was going to pivot. And I started offering some online group coaching classes and some remote energy work and some phone sessions. I really loved it because I really got a wider audience. I got people who Asheville's kind of a small town. And so getting people who come from not a town where everybody grew up learning Reiki and knew what these things were, you know, that's kind of fun for me to have the different perspectives and have people who maybe did grow up that way and and lived in a new agey life and their perspective. And then having somebody who's just starting to explore and just wants to see where they're going. And so having that, just more people to work with more viewpoints. I just, I like having a diverse client base. I, I like not working just with one person. You know, I had a business coach once who was like, you really, in order to be successful, you need to just work with other business owners and teach them how to use these tools to make them better business owners. And I was like, Oh my God, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I would hate that. You know, that's not, that's not what I'm called to do. You know, I'm really called to get to those people who want to know themselves and want to use that in whatever that fits into in their life. And so part of that to me is what makes me want to go to work in the morning. And to do that is to say, well, where are you going? And, you know, your path, this client's path may be completely different and opposite than my path was. And they're still getting that benefit and they're still getting that experience. And and I just think that that's really wild and cool. And one of those things that spirit brings that, you know, I can't necessarily take credit for. (laughs) So we also kind of get into personal evolution. What do you think is the, what do you think is your personal key to evolving yourself? 
it's just always working. You know, I, I feel like sometimes I do too much work. Sometimes maybe I need to take a break a little bit more than I do, but I, I'm fascinated by it. I guess I am one of those self-help junkies who's like, well, what else can I learn? What else can I open up? Or I've seen what this door opened. So what's behind the next door? And I'm just always curious. Where does that curiosity come from? Was it from the snake? <laughs> I don't think that one was from the snake. I think that one's been there longer. Yeah, I think the snake is what helps me actually grab the doorknob and open up the next door. <laughs> but I think the curiosity's always been there. And are there any additional products or services you'd like to bring out? Or um, at this point, no. I'm I'm trying to. I am in speaking of, you know, balancing the woo woo and the normal life. I'm still working this business as well as my audiology business and trying to scale that back. And I feel like when there's more time, there's going to be more space and then more things may evolve. Um, but at this moment, you know, the, the group coaching is a six month program and I have one on one clients. And so that that keeps me pretty busy right now. <laughs> All right. Well, are there any final words you'd like to say to the audience before I let you off here? I would say that, you know, don't don't be afraid to explore. You don't have to act on everything that you explore. You know, open the door, see what's behind it. If you don't like it, close it and open another one. You don't have to, to commit to everything that you explore. And I think that the exploration is is fun sometimes. I think it's always learning. I think it's always growing. I think that it, it opens you to new experiences. It will bring you to new people, to new things, to um, new pieces of yourself that you never even knew you were missing. And so I would like that. And if anyone wants to connect with me, I do I have a Facebook group and we do live stuff every Friday. Um, so it's facebook.com slash groups slash shine every day. Shine every day. All right. I'm Jimbo Paris. And this is the Jimbo Paris show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you again for having me. This was great. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Paris show. 